All through the Advent season, we've been considering the names that are so familiar to us, like the prophet Elijah in the Old Testament, the greatest and end of the prophets, John the Baptist. We've looked at the, the coming of the angel Gabriel to Mary. We've heard of Zechariah and Elizabeth, the parents of John the Baptist. Today, we, we close out this Advent preparation with a look at perhaps one of the more forgotten people of Advent, and that is St. Joseph, the father of the Holy Family, the father of Jesus, the husband of Mary. Today, we read from St. Matthew's Gospel the account of his birth, or at least the events leading up to his birth. And we have to bear in mind that St. Matthew was writing to a primarily Jewish audience. So he takes for granted that his audience knows the, the story of Israel and the, the history of Israel and would be hearing with Jewish ears what he is saying. And so he focuses on some things that are a little bit different than what St. Luke would focus on when Luke is writing to a, a Gentile, non-Jewish audience. So for us to understand the, the gospel and the fullness of the Christmas story, uh, today I'd, I'd like to maybe attune our ears a little bit that aren't familiar with the, the Jewish traditions, uh, exactly what is going on in the scripture today, and particularly to look at St. Joseph, one that plainly tells us today in the gospel, Joseph, son of David. Joseph is descended of the great kingly line of St. David. And so we, we need to be aware for us non-Jews that the Messiah was prophesied to come from the line of David. So the, the verses in St. Matthew right before this are the famous genealogy of Jesus. So-and-so begat, so-and-so begat, so-and-so, and yeah, the, those readings we normally skip. I, I invite you to go home and read that on your own, or if you, you'd like a little better introduction, seanthebaptist.org. I spent about 50 minutes in greater detail this last week at our adult conversation. But for today's gospel, let's start at the beginning. Notice it says that when his mother, Mary, was betrothed to Joseph, but before they lived together. What's going on with this? Well, we need to understand a little bit about the marriage customs in biblical times. We hear the word betrothed, and we think, well, that's kind of a fancy word for engagement. Well, we find, first of all, that we need to understand that betrothal in biblical times was much, much more serious and more formal than a simple in engagement that we know of today. Today, someone can get engaged and like, I want to marry you, and there's kind of a, an agreement to eventually get married, but if either party wants to decide I don't want to marry you, they're perfectly free to do so, and everybody knows that people who are engaged are, are not husband and wife, they're not married yet. So notice in our scripture today, it says that Mary is betrothed to Joseph, but before they live together, what would happen in a betrothal in biblical times is that the marriage would be arranged normally by the, the, the father of the bride who would contract with the groom to arrange that, yes, they will be married. And so they become officially betrothed. There would be a, a ceremony of betrothal that would look a lot like a marriage. Notice that Joseph is called Mary's husband. Mary is called Joseph's wife, even though they're not married yet. It says it's before they lived together. Here's what would happen. After the contractual betrothment takes place, 
the husband and wife would not live together yet. Rather, the, the husband would go off to prepare a place, a home. He would make sure that he's got a house built for his new family, make sure that he has a job, make sure that everything is prepared and ready for the completion of the marriage ritual. The marriage would be completed when all was prepared and the husband would go to the house of the bride and he would take the bride back to his new house and then they would live together and begin their family. This taking the bride to your house and living together was the sign that the betrothal had moved to the phase of marriage. So here again now with, with that understanding, what Matthew is telling us. When his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found with child. Now, that would create scandal for any Jewish ears because they know they're betrothed, but it's in this sometimes up to one year period where they're husband and wife, but they don't live together. And part of that not living together was to show that, number one, the woman is not pregnant, and that the, the couple is, is under control, they can control themselves, they're not given over to passion, that this is a, a good marriage. So imagine the scandal for Matthew's listeners to hear that they're betrothed, it's in this one-year period of, of chastity to prove that they're chaste, and Mary is pregnant. Scandal. Now, Matthew, of course, adds right away, this is through the Holy Spirit. Okay, great, we know that because the angel Gabriel has come to Mary, and we know how that went. But what does Joseph know? That's an important kind of point to think about at this point, because now we move on to say, Joseph, her husband, notice the, the husband-wife language, even during the betrothal, since he was a righteous man. All right, now we might hear righteous, and we're like, well, he, he's good. I mean, he's trying to be a good guy. No, not, not to Hebrew ears. To hear Joseph described as a righteous man would say that Joseph fulfills the law perfectly. He is a Jew of Jews. He will do what God has commanded. So right away, we know that Joseph follows the law. Great. Then it says, yet unwilling to expose her, Mary, to shame, he decided to divorce her quietly. Again, notice the formalness of betrothal. It's, it's not ended by people deciding, eh, I don't think I want to get married. To, to end a betrothal would re require divorce. It's a, a very formal thing. Why is Joseph thinking this? Well, Matthew just told us he's a righteous man, so he's going to follow the law, but he's unwilling to expose her to shame. What is going on? Well, there are two theories about this. One would be that Mary is pregnant, Joseph knows it's not his child, so he is suspicious, obviously, that Mary has had intimate relations with some other man. Why is it important that we know that he's righteous? Well, because under the law, this would be considered adultery. Mary was perhaps unfaithful during the time of betrothal and now she's pregnant with someone else's child, the law would demand that Mary would be stoned to death as an adulteress. Now, it says Joseph is righteous, so that would be his inclination under the law, 
but it says, yet unwilling to expose her to shame, he decided to divorce her quietly. Well, this would mean that, that Joseph is, in spite of this clear adultery, he's just going to go away quietly. Problem with this is we were just told that he's righteous, that Joseph fulfills the law. So right after telling us that Joseph fulfills the law, Matthew is telling us that he's not going to fulfill the law. So that, that theory doesn't quite make sense in all respects. So there's a second kind of theory of what's going on here. Since we know Joseph is righteous, maybe, and we can presume, that Mary has told him, Joseph, uh, this, is, this is not someone, other man's child. Rather, the angel Gabriel came to me and, and, and told me that I am to be the mother of God and that it is through the Holy Spirit that this child is conceived. Now, imagine you're Joseph and you hear that and you're righteous and Joseph is so good, chosen by God. So he knows Mary is telling the truth. In fact, we know that, that Mary what was a, a consecrated virgin, probably. She, she never intended to have relations even with Joseph. Uh, we, we kind of know this from her, her encounter with the angel Gabriel. Notice that when Gabriel comes to Mary and says, you are to be the, the mother of God, Mary's response is, how can this be since I, I don't have relations with the man? Now, if she was going to have relations with Joseph, well, then that's a, a funny kind of response because she'd know how she's going to conceive and bear a son. She's going to get married to Joseph. They're going to live together and, and have relations, and that's how she'll become pregnant. But Mary is astounded, perplexed by the angel's announcement of this conception because she never intended to have marital relations with Joseph. And Joseph knew this. So Mary comes to Joseph and says, I, I was visited by the angel, and the angel says that I, I'm to be the mother of God. Now, imagine you're Joseph and you hear that. What would you be inclined to do? Well, if I'm Joseph, I would say, I am not worthy. You know, who am I to, to pretend to be husband to this woman who God has chosen as his own spouse? What is Joseph to do? He's like, I am not worthy. So his plan as a righteous man, therefore, is to step back and say, I, I will yield to God who has chosen this woman. And hence now that kind of makes sense why he would divorce her quietly. He is just going to go away out of reverence for the fact that Mary has been chosen to be the spouse of God and is pregnant with God. Now it makes sense that the angel would appear to Joseph. And what are, what are the words to Joseph? Joseph, don't be afraid. Now, if Joseph were, were thinking that Mary had been unfaithful and he was mad at her or something, well, the, the angel would come to Joseph and say, Joseph, calm down, okay? No, the, the, the angel knows that Joseph is actually afraid. He, he's fearful to take Mary as of his wife because God is conceived within her. So now it makes sense. The angel says, don't be afraid. And notice that the greeting, Joseph, son of David, Jewish ears again. Joseph, don't forget, the Messiah is going to come from your line. This child that is conceived within Mary is the Messiah, just as was foretold through Isaiah the prophet. Don't forget, son of David. So Joseph is told, 
the child has been conceived in her is through the Holy Spirit. Joseph believes this. And the angel says, she will bear a son and you are to name him Jesus. Now we, we kind of focus on like, well, that, that's how Jesus gets his name. But again, Jewish ears now, a, a Jew would know that it was the father's duty to give the child his name, especially the firstborn son. It would normally be called after the name of the father. So remember when John the Baptist was born and came to be circumcised, his father, Zechariah, was struck unable to speak because he doubted the angel. And so Elizabeth, his mother, says, we're going to name him John. And everyone protests, wait a minute, wait a minute. He's supposed to be called Zechariah. He's your firstborn son. And so Zechariah has to give John his name, and he writes because he can't speak. John is his name. This is a very important part in, in Jewish custom because we know who mothers of children are because, well, babies come out of mothers, and so it's pretty obvious who the mother of a child is. But it's not immediately given for sure who the father of a child is. So for the man to give the child its name is when the father legally, under Jewish law, claims this child as his own. Again, we see why Joseph would be afraid. How, how am I supposed to give a name to this child and claim it as mine? This is God. I, I can't claim to be this child's father. So again, be not afraid, Joseph. Be not afraid to take Mary, your wife, into your home. Remember the betrothal ritual? He's saying, don't be afraid. Complete the marriage ritual and name the child. Claim the child as your own. Don't be afraid. Even though this child is God, I have chosen you to be father. And so he is to have the name Jesus. Imagine Joseph. What, can I name the child Joseph? I can't do that. Jesus, in, in Hebrew, the, the word is Yeshua. Kind of sounds like Joshua. Yeshua, Joshua, Jesus. It's all the same name. It all means God saves. God's salvation. Hence, hear it again, you are to name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. The name means something. Jesus means God will save. That's why he'll be called Jesus. All this took place to fulfill what was said through Isaiah the prophet, which we read in our first reading. Behold, the virgin will conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. A little reminder to Joseph. Remember the scriptures. You're a son of David. The Messiah will come from your line, and he will be born of a virgin. Now, amazing to think that Joseph takes all this in, and we would, as human beings, wonder, wouldn't he have some doubt? No. Joseph awakes, and it says, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took his wife into his home. And we know that eight days after Jesus' birth, he names him and gives him his name, Jesus, claiming him as his own. That's a little unpacking of some of the, the parts of this story that we might miss. When you understand all that, now I think we can see why Joseph is just such an amazing person in Scripture that we often ignore. Notice that, that Joseph was never intending to have marital relations with Mary. Our society today is so focused on you have to have sex to be happy. 
Joseph is like, no, I'm going to be husband to this woman, and my role is going to be to take care of her, to guard her, to be a chaste husband. And, and then he gets told that she's pregnant with God. And like a good man, he says, I'm going to back away. But God says, no, I, I chose you to protect and guard not just Mary, but the Messiah, the Holy Family. And notice that by naming Jesus, Joseph is saying to everyone who's looking on, like, he's claiming him as his child. So people would naturally assume then that, well, Joseph had relations with Mary during the betrothal period. Joseph is not such a great guy. So Joseph would also take that shame on himself, knowing that not only did he not have relations during the betrothal period, he was never going to have relations with her. He's a pure, chaste man who was merely there to be a husband and protector. And now he's called to be the father of the Holy Family. I think today on this fourth Sunday of Advent, then let's Let's call to mind the great dignity of fatherhood, especially St. Joseph, sacrificial, devoted to his wife and son, obedient to God. These are all qualities in husbands and fathers that our society so needs today. So let's give thanks to Joseph. The great call in the church is, Ite adios, go to Joseph. We have our, our statue over here, and we can hardly think of our Christmas nativity scenes without Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. Let's pray to St. Joseph today for the great renewal of fatherhood that we need, that we would have fathers after the heart of Joseph that would be sacrificially devoted to their wives, even able to lay down their life, take shame upon themselves rather than disgrace their wife or family, that would be pure and chaste like St. Joseph, and that would love and protect their children the way Joseph was called to protect the Christ child. As we move to the beautiful scenes of Christmas this week, we see Jesus, Mary, and Joseph in the stable. Let's today be grateful for the beautiful gift of Joseph, the husband of Mary, the father of Jesus.